Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades, and these life studies represent his contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the Life Studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. In the book of Acts, there's an inspiring account of the martyrdom of a genuine saint of the early church. The story of the stoning of Stephen contains marvelous and meaningful implications even for us today. And with us to fellowship about this life study of Acts once again is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back. It's good to have you. And we're really continuing to enjoy the riches in this book, aren't we? Well, let's continue to enjoy them together, Chris. We're going to spend a couple of programs, Ron, touching this account of the stoning of our brother Stephen in Acts chapter 6 through chapter 8. And we're going to see how it related to the process that the church was going through in those early days. There's a lot of significance here related to God's overall plan, his economy, isn't there? Uh, There is. When you mention the word economy, I need to make a brief comment. That is God's administrative arrangement to carry out his will, his good pleasure, and his purpose. In the Old Testament, under the dispensation of law, there was such an arrangement, such an economy. Through the human living, the ministry, the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus, that Old Testament economy was terminated and replaced by the New Testament economy, not a matter under law, but under grace, the Lord Jesus, after his resurrection and before his ascension, met with the disciples intermittently for a period of 40 days, speaking to them concerning the kingdom of God, altogether a matter of the New Testament economy. Not long before he was to ascend, one of the disciples asked, Lord, is now the time you will restore the kingdom to Israel? This indicates that they were still in the early stages of the transition from the Old Testament economy, which was focused on the physical realm, on a physical kingdom, with Israel as the people. What we have in Acts from beginning to end is a dispensational change or transfer. That is, the apostles themselves gradually making the change out from the Old Testament economy into the New Testament economy with Paul taking the lead. To be honest and faithful, the church in Jerusalem did not fully make this dispensational change. And the fiercest opposition to this New Testament economy came from religion, from religious people, and their refusal to accept the up-to-date word of the Lord and their insistence on 
opposing even unto death those that would be contrary to the law, real or supposed, who would speak things contrary to the temple, real or supposed. So the background for the martyrdom of our brother Stephen is this fierce and intense opposition opposing God himself and God's way in his New Testament economy to carry out God's own eternal purpose. This shows the seriousness of being religious and forming a religion around certain elements drawn in a certain way from the scriptures and then being used by the enemy of God to oppose God's way, God's will, God's desire, God's purpose, God's New Testament economy. This is what we see here as the background. This is what led to the martyrdom of Stephen. To set the backdrop for the next couple of programs, it would be good if we could read some of these verses in chapter 6. Here are verses 8 through 15. And Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. But some of those of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia rose up, and disputed with Stephen. Yet they were not able to withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they instigated some men to say, We have heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and led him to the Sanhedrin. And they set up false witnesses, saying, This man does not cease speaking words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him saying that this Jesus, the Nazarene, will destroy this place and will change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all those sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw his face as though it were the face of an angel. Ron, the stoning of Stephen is an event that draws interest merely by the graphic and colorful account that we get from Luke. But the background of this martyrdom is worth getting into as well. What were the accusations brought against him, and what do these indicate about the climate that existed in Jerusalem at the time? Uh, Let's point out two things emphasized in the verses that you read. These accusations, which were false, focused on Moses and the law and to the physical temple in Jerusalem. Let's just briefly summarize the change that took place through the life and death and ministry of the Lord Jesus. The old covenant of the law was replaced by the new covenant of grace. The moral law of God can never be set aside, but the ceremonial law, the ritual law, was terminated. Also, the Lord Jesus himself referred to himself as the temple. He is the real temple. When God came in the God-man Jesus, that God-man was the habitation of God. In John 1, he's referred to as the tabernacle. In John 2, it refers to his body as the temple. The Lord himself prophesied the destruction of that temple 
not one stone would be left upon another. Please recall that during the first three hours of the six hours he was on the cross, he was persecuted by religious persons mainly. They mocked him, saying, you would destroy the temple and raise it again in three days. So what Stephen was proclaiming was the gospel of God, the gospel of grace, the revelation of the New Testament economy, the truth that God does not dwell in a physical building. He mentioned that in his speaking. He dwells in a spiritual house, which is the church. This positive speaking does imply the fact that God himself in his Son, the Lord Jesus, terminated the Old Testament economy and brought in the New Testament economy full of grace for the church. The Jewish religionists there wanted nothing to do with this. They commanded the disciples to stop. They said, you have filled Jerusalem with this teaching. In chapter 5, they temporarily imprisoned the apostles and beat them. But a wise rabbi, Gamaliel, said, be careful. You might be fighting against God. What the religionists were doing when they brought Stephen to the Sanhedrin and they had the false witnesses saying one lie after another, they were fighting against God. They thought they were serving God by clinging to their old religion, by persecuting unto death the believers. That is the background. This fulfills the Lord's word in John 16. He was referring to the religion at the time. The time will come, he said, when they will kill you and think that by so doing, they're serving God. That was the mindset in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was saturated with that kind of religious spirit and atmosphere. And eventually, to some extent, and in various degrees, it affected the believers. It infiltrated the church. But here we have Stephen faithfully standing for the New Testament revelation of the New Testament economy of grace concerning Christ and the church. For this he was tried, for this he was stoned, and for this he was martyred. Ron, you've touched a couple of things. I think they're worthy of coming back to. Let's go to Witness Lee now, because he's going to touch specifically this matter that you briefly alluded to, that this dispensational change also presented some difficulty for the believers, the saints in the early church. Let's join Witness Lee. The old dispensation was of the law and of the temple. And the new dispensation is of Christ as the law of life and as the living temple. You see, there are two dispensations. And there is a transitional period that God is transferring his chosen people from the old dispensation into the new dispensation. Okay, all the early disciples, including Peter, they were born into the old dispensation and they were raised up with the knowledge of the old dispensation. Yet, they were called by the Lord and they were with the Lord for three and a half years. And even they were with the Lord, 
in the last half of the four years. In a very, very wonderful, excellent, spiritual, heavenly way. You see, this should be fully okay for God to transfer them 100% out of the old dispensation into nail. That means out of the law in letters and out of the temple of physical things into Christ as the love life and into Christ as the living temple, right? Yet, the Judaic influence was too strong. And they were surrounded with their kinsmen. So they were in a kind of situation which would be hard for nearly everyone to get out of that old background. So especially the brother, the fleshly brother, of the Lord Jesus, James. He was such a godly man. So pious. He was respected by all the people. Even a number of good Jews respected him. History tells us this. He was very hard to get transferred out of that Judaic background. And he took the lead rather to remain there. How could we know? Because Acts 21 tells us, in the last visit to Jerusalem, Paul went to see James, and James advised him to come back to the Judaic practice. You know, the national vow was the top vow, the biggest vow among all the vows in the Jewish practice. And James advised Paul to pay the charges for six Nazareth vowers. And uh, Paul joined. That shows how strong the influence was there. It was even hard for Paul to overcome. And he got into it. And he paid the things. And he stayed with those under the priest in the temple for six days. Could you believe? After he wrote the book of Romans, after he wrote the book of Galatians, those two books were too strong, telling us the law was over. But after writing those two strong books, he himself went back to Jerusalem. He couldn't overcome that subduing environment. The church in Jerusalem and all the other disciples, including the twelve apostles, they didn't pass through that transitional period successfully. And that was a reason the Lord sent the Roman army to destroy not only the physical Jerusalem, the physical temple, but also the religious mixture. And the religious mixture was destroyed with the destruction of the material Jerusalem and temple. This dispensational change or transition that we're looking at had tremendous implications for the whole Jewish culture. The leaders in Jerusalem were now fighting to hang on to their prized Judaism. But it also affected the Christians as well. What do we see in the early church here that indicates that it was also a struggle for the saints? Well, we see this more clearly later in Acts. 
in two particular portions. In chapter 15, there was a council, because some had gone out from Jerusalem without being sent, teaching the Gentiles, oh, if you want to be a believer in Christ, you have to keep the law of Moses. You have to be circumcised. So the very fact that there could be real believers who had worked out a compromise with the old covenant, with the law, with the rituals, with the traditions. There are a lot of believers like this. Later on, by the time Paul is there in chapter 21, he gives a testimony about what the Lord had been doing through his ministry. Then James takes the lead to say, look at the huge number of believers they are. They're all zealous for the law. Go to the temple. Help some offer a sacrifice. What is this? This is mixture at the very heart of the leadership of the church. It seems, based upon the fact of how the Lord used the Roman Empire to destroy Jerusalem and the church, this mixture was never resolved and God would not tolerate it. Now we're touching a very crucial point in the heart and mind of God. When he brings about a dispensational change, he really knows what he's doing, and he's determined to carry it out. And to refuse to be up to date with the Lord, to use the old things that have been turned into a religion, to oppose him, and his way in his New Testament age, this is an offense, an insult to God to the uttermost. And to allow there to be a compromise, a mixture of the New Testament gospel with the Old Testament religion that is so distasteful to the Lord. So in Acts, this dispensational transfer begins and it advances when Peter is able to go to the Gentiles and meet with them, proclaim the gospel to them. It advances some in chapter 15. But we know it's principally through Paul and later through Peter and John that finally the dispensational transfer was made absolutely when the Lord, toward the end of Paul's life, gave him the highest heavenly visions and revelations recorded in Ephesians and Colossians and elsewhere. This is a very crucial matter, and I add this in the way of application. We shouldn't think that this applies only to history 2,000 years ago. Religion has the tendency to establish a system that does not allow God to move freely to accomplish his purpose. At the very least, we need to learn this and hear this message. Drop everything the way Paul did in Philippians 3. Pursue Christ as everything, as the center of God's economy, as the one having the first place in everything. Experience him, enjoy him, proclaim him, testify him, live him, so that he can have the church as a new creation for the fulfillment of of God's eternal economy. Well, Ron, we've set the historical background, both according to what was affecting the Jewish leaders and the first century church. But now we're going to jump ahead in this coming section to today. And how is all of this applicable to us now? Here's Witness Lee. 
beginning from the very end of the first century, Christians began to make God's New Testament things traditional. In the 20th century, it came to us all together in a traditional way. Not only the Old Testament things were eventually all made a kind of traditional religion. Now, the Lord has to recover his genuine New Testament economy. So again, here is a transition period. And we are still in this transition. So we must be warned. We must learn something of the failures James, Peter, and others had in that transition 2,000 years ago. We must learn something of them. Don't care for any tradition. We will be so definite and absolute to the Lord's transfer. Get out of the tradition. Just picking up some amount of biblical knowledge. I don't care for that. Forget about that. By his mercy, be willing that he may bring us into the depths of his truths. That we may see what has been and still is all the years on his heart. We have to see this. A burden is upon my heart and in my spirit to tell people the entire situation is all to get off. It's all to get a deception. I hope that God would have mercy upon all his children people that they would see what the Lord has shown us. The genuine revelation, the genuine light concerning his word. My hope and my burden is to help you to get into the genuine revelation and genuine light of the divine truths in the Bible. And here we are for this. This is not a kind of a seminar to study the Bible, a kind of Bible study. No, no. Forget about that. Saints, we must see this. We must see this. Come back to God's pure New Testament economy. And what is this? This is nothing but one person. Jesus Christ, the God-man, has everything to us. He's our law. He's our temple. He's our everything. Is this dispensational change or transfer an issue for us today in the way that we approach the Bible, even the way we live the Christian life? It is because in our natural life, there's a tendency to be legal, to be religious, to be traditional. I'm going to share my personal feeling and observation as a result of decades of experience and study. The vast majority of genuine, redeemed, regenerated believers neither know nor live according to God's New Testament economy. Many, in a practical way, live according to the principle of law. 
those from, you could say, the Pentecostal or charismatic side, when they speak on behalf of the Lord, they often use Old Testament way of speaking, thus saith the Lord. With ritualistic religions, you have a recurrence of Old Testament ritual. Christianity as a religious system is saturated with the Old Testament elements. Very, very few are clear concerning God's New Testament economy. And among those that are getting clear, even a fewer number have advanced in fully making the transition out of the Old Testament dispensation into the New Testament dispensation and live day by day by the grace of God who live day by day under the divine dispensing of the divine trinity, allowing Christ to fill them, saturate them, make his home in their hearts for the building up of the body of Christ. Not that many know what it is to walk according to the Spirit, to be a new creation in Christ, to live by the grace of the Lord Jesus that's with our spirit. What we need, Chris, is for the Lord's people to read and reread the New Testament, taking off the rose-colored glasses, dropping all the veils, and allowing the Lord to shine in their hearts and show them what is God's New Testament economy, which he brought forth in Christ and carried out through the transition recorded in Acts and in Paul's epistles. We can stand together with Our listeners, there's far more to this portion in the book of Acts than just the simple account of Stephen's faith. This examination of the context and the the behind-the-scenes, I think, has provided all of God's people that are willing to be enlightened much light. Thank you for your help today. You're welcome, Chris. Well, that's all the time we have. We do, though, have time to give you our toll-free number and invite you to call us. Of course, uh, we have the printed life study volumes of this book available. We can tell you how to get it if you'll contact us. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. You can also write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or send email to radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly's speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.